You're about to experience filling the air with words. Version 2.0, honoring Jane Shannon, who co-created this conversational podcast. Our Zoom guest today is Becca Stuhlbarg, a very wise yogini, music teacher, and opera singer. Our conversation began with Becca sharing about how she's coping internally with the threat of COVID-19. Some days or some moments, you know, even within a day, there's a lot of variation for me. So some moments I feel totally overwhelmed. I feel really emotional. Like it definitely seems to be triggering a lot of kind of deep stuff in particular around fear. I think everyone's fears somewhat being triggered right now. But then other times I'm able to see the possible positives and the, yeah, just having those perspectives that might be somewhat liberating around seeing more of the big picture. And um, hopefully we can really take this opportunity to raise more awareness about what's possible in our society and how to really be connected with one another um, and also how to slow down a little right have a little more spaciousness and i think it's asking all of us like what do we really value what do we truly value in our society like are we going to really value the big corporations and all of that Um, or are we valuing people and our connections and and love you know what's really important to us you're a yoga teacher you're a soprano right yeah, opera I'm a soprano. Yeah. Soprano. And this girl, and we'll get you to her links, has a beautiful voice and is a great yoga teacher and just a, a great mind, Thank I think, you. for for this time. As you've been navigating this whole, I can't call it coronavirus. I just can't. So I don't know. COVID-19 mm-hmm. just seems more appropriate. <laughs> Right, because it's yep. kind of like from outer space or something. I don't know exactly, but yeah. what what has struck you during the past couple of weeks that maybe you had never felt or thought of before? When it first started to sink in, um, and it was like that first weekend where we started to have major restrictions and have to not gather in groups and things like that. Honestly, there was almost this little bit of sense of elation for me, which is so strange. It was very strange. <laughs> and this was only at first, right? And then and there was a big crash. But, but at first, there was this sense of like, wow, we're going into this period of time where there's so much uncertainty and there's a lot of fear being stirred up. And there's a lot of like sadness and, and longing, right? There's all these emotions, but with uncertainty often comes possibility. And so that's what really struck me is like, wow, there's a lot that is actually possible. And just the fact that we're all collectively facing this together, of course, separately in our own way, in our own homes, but we're all, it's all, you know, it's in our minds, all of us, and it's in our lives, and it affects us greatly. And so just the fact that we're all in this together, plus the uncertainty that we all find ourselves in, I feel like if we can somewhat surrender to that uncertainty and kind of ride the waves of the uncertainty and be more in the moment with things, then it's a wonderful opportunity really for growth, right? There's so much growth that is possible. So I think that's where that 
elation was coming from. But then, of course, I crashed and was really feeling the weight of all that fear and the weight of all the anxiety and the like almost like feeling that we're not fully ready for this sort of uncertainty, you know, because so many people are still really clinging to those past structures that don't really serve us in the long run, you know, that aren't built on love and unity, right? Structures of control and hierarchy. So there's a lot of clinging that's happening. And so it's an opportunity to practice the yogic concept of non-clinging, which is aparigraha. Um, It's often translated as non-clinging. I think of it as being fully in the moment, not trying to hold on to any one thing, not getting too attached, not trying to hoard things, right? Which is, of course, one thing that has been happening. (laughs) So can can we be mindful that that's happening? And can we be compassionate with ourselves and others and know that we're human, we're doing our best, but also can we redirect to those parts of ourselves that actually do know, that have some innate sense of how to not cling, of, of aparigraha, right? It's a concept that is there, uh, or at least there's the seed that is there within all of us. You know, it's interesting, the mindful people in my life, and you're definitely one of them, are all pretty much giving that same message. And I think it's a beautiful message. And I think about this effort that I've rebooted here. I hear a cat. Yeah, that's my cat. (laughs) I did feed him, but he's still... That's that's all right. I have a dog around here who just is like, every time I get up from my chair, he's just pacing. Are we going out now? Are we going to the dog park? Are we going for a ride? Uh And and he's he's struggling. You know, I worry (laughs) about that. But the the point that I was trying to make is that there are a lot of people, and this is not a judgment at all of our fellow human beings, who the idea of being mindful, of being heartfelt, of really reaching in during a time like this is alien to them. How can I, as a filmmaker and now podcast host, how can I get this message, this thoughtfulness, this mindfulness to other people who are probably, I don't know this for sure, but I'd like to get your reaction to this, that the people who can't go within are probably going to be suffering more during a time like this than those of us who are, quote, air quote, enlightened. Right. I would think so. Um, Yeah, the people who are clinging and who don't have the tools to go within, to turn inward and to find some inner wisdom or to have some practices that help to ground them, center them and release anxiety. You know, those people who don't have those tools, for sure, are, are suffering. However, it's not for any of us to know whether anyone else is is ready really for those messages of being called home of, of turning inward and healing practices so you know i just try to put myself out there and this is what i've been doing since this all hit i've been trying as best i can to put myself out there more right to kind of just spread these messages in my imperfect way but like to just try to 
get out there so that those who are ready for them can find those messages, right? So I feel like if more of us are doing that, if more of us are sharing our truth and broadcasting our signal and, and helping to amplify each other's signals, then hopefully more, pe- more and more people who are ready, who are looking, who are craving that connection from within and just need a little bit of a roadmap. I mean, we need a little bit of guidance and then hopefully they can find their way. Let's take that a step further. When you talk to anyone, it doesn't matter if they're mindful or not. What do you think the best thing that they can do right now if they're feeling anxious, which is probably most of the people in America right now? Yeah, breathe. (laughs) Breath is is number one. And um, I know that's a big part of the, the paradox of this whole situation is that that's what's affected if you if you get the virus, right, you're going to have trouble breathing to varying degrees. However, you know, if we don't have that going on, and even if we do, then can we be fully in the moment with the breath, like just really be conscious of the air drawing in however amount you're able to draw in, and not, you know, tight into the shoulders, but down into the belly. And then can you exhale and maintain the length of your spine and elongate that exhalation. So that's what I would recommend is deep mindful breaths where you just have a moment where you turn within, maybe you close your eyes if that doesn't increase the anxiety. For some people it does. But if you can, close your eyes and sit tall, align your spine, and then breathe into your belly and then exhale for that same amount of time or longer, right? So if we're inhaling for a count of four, maybe even try for eight on the exhalation. And even just three to five breaths like that can go a long way towards calming your nervous system, bringing you back into the present moment. If you're not able to close your eyes, if you're too anxious, you can just notice, like look around your house or wherever you are and notice what's there, right? Let's say, oh, I'm going to look for something that's red. I'm Okay, I see my chair that is red, right? I know that sounds so silly because our minds are so used to spinning, right, and trying to find a solution. But right now, there is no solution that we and our individual selves can come up with that, you know, sure, we can post on Facebook, there needs to be more testing done. And like, yeah, again, we'll be preaching to the choir, right? So how much good is that going to do? Like, I found the solution, right? There's not really a solution, but the mind thinks that there is. Like the mind thinks there's a saber-toothed tiger attacking us and we have to fight, flight, or freeze, but also like plan our escape route, right? So the mind is trying to plan the escape route, but we have to give it something else to do. As if it were a dog, like you mentioned your dog, who's so eager to do something, right? Give your dog a bone, give your mind something to focus on, whether it's the breath, if that works for you, that's definitely my first recommendation. But if even if that doesn't work for you, just noticing what's there and trying to simplify, trying to stop the spinning. And then mantra, of course, is a wonderful ancient tool that has been so, so helpful for me. And if you're chanting mantra out loud, then that also, of course, involves the breath. That's a way of elongating the breath. So 
anytime you're singing or even just speaking slowly and mindfully, that is elongating the breath and is going to serve you. So yeah, those three things, breath, staying in the moment, noticing what's there, and mantra, using some sort of mantra, whether it's Sanskrit or oftentimes people just use affirmations. (laughs) The one that I've been working with, even though It might not be very uh, reassuring to many, but relax. Nothing is under control. (laughs) (laughs) And that is really the truth because it certainly doesn't seem like anything is. The serenity prayer, I've always thought, is a a good tool. That's a good one, yeah. I have a feeling just from the look on your face, you know it, right? Yes, isn't it like, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Obviously, the the mind and the body are also triggered and traumatized by anything like this. And I think all of that advice that you gave just now leads me to ask two questions. Why did you say saber-tooth tiger? Why, when you were talking about this, <laughs> I'm just curious, is there some symbolism okay. behind that? Because I haven't heard that tiger mentioned in a long time. So I'm thinking it might be significant. Oh, yeah. Well, so there is a reason. Yeah, it's because that is an ancient animal. It's not around anymore. So referring to that time in our collective development when the flight or fight response was much more needed, right? So during that time, prehistoric time, which in the grand scheme of things, if you zoom out to take into consideration how old the earth is, how old this galaxy that we live in is, and so on, if you zoom out, then we as humans have been around for a very short period of time. So to think back to prehistoric times, maybe not that long ago, (laughs) from that perspective, our brains have not changed all that much. Of course, life has changed, our society, culture, everything has changed. But that fight or flight response is still there and still has a big influence over our lives. And what many people don't realize is just how much of an influence that has and, and actually that we can work with it to evolve ourselves individually and collectively in order to respond mindfully rather than reacting in that fight, flight, or freeze response. And just to be clear, it's not bad that we have that reaction. It's not, you know, if if you notice yourself going into fight, flight, or freeze, which I have many times over the past week or so, we have to be compassionate with ourselves. We don't have to be, but... (laughs) It is really beneficial to be compassionate with ourselves because it's a natural response and we can work with it. We have the opportunity to notice, observe without judgment what's happening, and then to keep as best we can bringing ourselves back to the breath, back to a state of acceptance, which doesn't mean resignation. It doesn't mean like, oh, I'm just resigned to I might, this might happen and this many people will die. It's like, it doesn't mean that you have to like it. It just acceptance just means that we're going to face what is to confront what is to the greatest extent that we can, 
and that we're going to acknowledge that, you know, without running away, without having that reaction. I remember in elementary school, and yes, I can remember back that far, seeing a picture of a saber-toothed tiger. And it mm-hmm. scared the crap out of me. And oh, I yeah, had, it's very scary. It's because there was a tiger basically with these big, long fangs, right? Yeah, super yeah. scary. Yeah, Super mm-hmm. scary. So I, I, I thought that was interesting that you brought that up, and, and thanks for explaining that. Would it be putting you on the spot to just do a little breathing exercise right now for the people listening? It wouldn't be too much on the spot. No, that's fine. So. Let's take a moment to then find our long neutral spine, balance the crown of the head over the tailbone, and see if we can soften those shoulders, maybe even give the shoulders a few rolls back and down. And you might notice the ribs that are hopefully somewhat buoyant all the way around, breastbone lifting a little bit. And then can we sense the belly, the low belly, and even the pelvic bowl, softening as you inhale. And then exhale to gently contract deep within, just a little bit of pulling the belly in, in order to stay tall as you exhale. And again, just let the air drop all the way down into the low belly. And exhale for that same amount of time or longer, staying tall, and of course, go at your own pace here. And you might even notice your heartbeat as you inhale. You can inhale for about eight heartbeats. And exhale for eight to 10 heartbeats, just slightly lengthening that exhalation, noticing without judgment all the sensations in the body. And one more time like that, just let the air drop right in. Exhale and maintain the spinal length. Keep that feeling of buoyant ribs, soft shoulders, releasing any tension as you become aware of it. And then just let your breath go to its own rhythm and notice if you feel any different. Yes. That was awesome. I asked that for our listeners, but I also asked it for me. So thank you very much. Sure. Okay, good. (laughs) It is such a simple thing. And I remember way back when I first started practicing yoga, I was at a place in Virginia called Yogaville. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of it or not, but did a retreat there because my life was... Uh, in the toilet, as they say in New Jersey. And Mm -hmm. I went there and we did a lot of breath work and I was just really skeptical about it. But Mm -hmm. there's no reason to be, right? Yeah, you know, I think that skepticism is pretty natural at first when you first come into contact with healing practices like that because they're often pretty simple practices in some ways. And our mind, like I said, is just so used to running in circles and and our whole society is so we're very mind-based in our society so it helps to just slow down the mind and try to settle into the heart which of course the mind is going to to be skeptical of that at first i know you have a keyboard there do you mind sharing a little bit of your music and chanting practice with us 
I don't mind at all. Sure. So I do have this ancient mantra that I've been working with and set it to my own little melody and harmonies. But again, it's an ancient mantra. So I can't, of course, take credit for that. I did then throw in some words in English as well that are hopefully speaking to the rough translation. It's so hard to translate these mantras, but the rough translation is may all beings have peace, may all beings find happiness. And the invitation that I've heard from spiritual masters in our world right now is to imagine as you chant this, that white lotus petals are falling onto you, onto everyone you love, and onto all the beings in the world. All right, so this is Loka Samasta Sukino Bhavantu, Sanskrit mantra, may all beings have peace. Loka Samasta Sukino Bhavantu, Loka Samasta Sukino Bhavantu, Loka Samasta Sukino Bhavantu. Om Shanti Shanti Om. May all beings be at peace. May all beings be free. May we find happiness, love, and unity. It was quite, quite beautiful, along with being a yoga instructor and an opera singer and just a general mindful person. What else are you doing for your for your self-care right now? Mm, thank you. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to meditate daily, um, but also not to beat myself up if I don't end up meditating in a day. But it really does help me just recognizing how much that helps and how centered I feel. Um, it just makes a big difference in my day if I can meditate in the morning and I try to also meditate a little bit before I go to bed. And then, yeah, that keeps me bu pretty busy between teaching Zoom voice lessons now and my own chanting, singing practice, as well as meditation and yoga. That's already kind of a lot, so that keeps me going. Um, and I try to just be mindful when I walk, so walking meditation is very nice as well, very grounding. That's about it, you know, connecting with others. And uh, this has been wonderful to connect with you. And I really enjoy connecting with friends over Zoom. I'm, I'm spending a lot of time on Zoom these days. It's an extraordinary platform that I was completely unfamiliar with until about two weeks ago. So far, it hasn't crashed. We should thank all of the people out there in Zoom land, uh, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. for keeping everything everything up and running because I think yes. it is extremely important. How can people find out more about you and what you're doing? 
Great question. So I do have a website, uh, www.rebeccastuhlbarg.com. So that is spelled with two C's and then an H before the L, Rebecca Stuhlbarg. That's kind of my hub where there are links from there to my YouTube channel, to Facebook and Instagram. My business name is Sing Free Vocal Yoga. So I do teach vocal yoga small group classes on Zoom now and also um, one-on-one private vocal yoga or simply voice lessons. And um, that's my main thing. You know, I also, of course, sing, but uh, there's not a whole lot of performances happening these days in person. But I am cast in Light Opera of Portland's upcoming production hopefully we will be able to do it in july so we'll see how things unfold i'm in trial by jury by arthur sullivan so that should be fun nice well i can't thank you enough for taking the time to zoom with me and thank you for zooming with me it was a zoom fest (laughs) to think of it yeah zoomtastic You've been listening to Filling the Air with Words, version 2.0. Find us on Facebook, SoundCloud, and Twitter. Dedicated to the life and memory of our friend Jane Shannon.